I really appreciated this morning so far. It's been brilliant, particularly your comment, Rich, about the importance of testimony. I had, I had planned uh, to start what I had to say off with uh, going back to what Lynn said last week. She gave her testimony, and I felt that was very powerful. And her testimony and mine are intimately linked. She's not just my wife, but we, our, our approach to Jesus comes at the same time. I got saved one week after Lynn. So I'd like to just tell you the story a bit. That it's, it's very encouraging and you may well not know, but um, Lynn said that she um, heard that, uh, that scripture, which, which you've just quoted, um, uh, ask, seek and knock, and uh, she became a believer. And at that time, I was studying hard for my finals. Uh, I wanted to do, um, I wanted to do a, a career in research and I needed to get a, a good degree. And I, was, I had no concept of, or thought about God. I was just constantly thinking about my career and God had nothing to, in, in it. I was nothing in, in my thinking about God at all. Um, uh, I must say, looking back though, um, I think God might have tried to speak to me over the years when I was about 12 uh, and then a little bit later in my teenage years, um, but I, I didn't take any notice of him. But then Lynn comes along and um, says to me, Mike, when we get married, and we were engaged to be married, and it would have been in August, and this was in the, uh, April, um, I, want, I want to pray and read the Bible and go to church. And I thought, well, that, that's the end of the world for me. I got no clue what that's all about. And I, I protested a bit. I can't remember what else she said. But going to pray and read the Bible and go to church wasn't my concept of what getting married was all about. And anyway, she twisted my arm in a metaphorical sense and, and said, look, well, read. <laughs> She's just telling me to look at her. <laughs> um, Don't read any stone on <laughs> To read a, a little booklet. And I can remember the booklet that was called Life written by uh, people in Cape and Ray up, up north somewhere. And the bottom line of the story is that uh, God is after all of you. God has got a, a place in uh, a, a plan for you. And there is in everyone a God-shaped blank. And it must have contained stuff about Jesus as well, because ultimately things that happened a bit later. Um, and the key verse, there was a verse of scripture that jumped out to me as I was reading this. I was in bed. It was uh, getting late at night. I promised that I would read this booklet. So I did. And and the verse was from, it turns out, I didn't know at the time, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And I think I just said, well, God, I'm, I'm not looking for you, but. If you are real, and I have got a hole in my life, um, come in and prove it to me. Um, and next day, I got back to my religion and studying biochemical pathways and all this stuff. And the weekend, they, um, Lynn and her next door neighbour student um, took me to a four square gospel church where they were all dancing about and clapping and all this sort of stuff. It really blew my mind. Um, it wasn't quite what I thought about when I said, come in and prove it to me. Um, but he, um, the, at this meeting, there were several um, lads, I guess, were ex-prisoners 
gave their testimonies about how they came to know Jesus, how Jesus changed their lives. And at the end of it, um, the, uh, one of the pastors, I guess, um, stood up and made a, 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 a plea or an appeal for people to come down to the front and receive Jesus as Lord and Master. And you won't believe this, but my hand would not go down. It would, it just jumped straight up into the air. And I was the only one. I had to walk down this packed church, standing at the front to say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. But that was the start of it. Um, and uh, they prayed for me. And I believe that was 57 years ago. And I think it illustrates how great God is. He can keep you. I've been up and down, backwards and forwards, um, but I've been on the path for 57 years. And I give him the glory for that. So I think testimony does encourage us, doesn't it? It's hard not to see you all and cheering or anything, but God, God does do great things. And what the key for to this morning is that um, both Lynn and I chose to go a particular route. Um, not knowing much at all. I didn't have intellectual problems about Christianity. I got those subsequent to becoming a believer. But at the time, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about the Bible. I knew nothing about scripture, even though I'd been to church at the C of E for a few years as a, as a young lad. But I didn't know anything about it. But over the years, God has looked after us. So, but we made a choice on the basis of what we knew. And when I first read, um, heard from uh, Rich that this was the, ver the ver these are the verses I'm going to talk about. The first thing that jumped into my mind was when we were on holiday a few years back uh, in Malta, um, we were with a family and we had the kids that were, and we, were we, we had a hire car and we got a map and we were going to go and do some exploring. So we set off and when you drive, when we were driving there, none of the road signs seemed to be right. Everything seemed to be wrong. And it turned out that the young children or the young teenagers in Malta at the time thought it was a great ruse to actually turn all the, the signs and point them in the wrong direction so that tourists have absolutely no idea where they're going. And that was actually true. And in the end, we had to make a choice. How do you make a choice when there are two separate roads? How do you decide which way to go? And that was an illustration of what we are asked to do with the verses of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few find it. So that is the verse. The, the, the two verses we're going to talk about. And there are two, I've come across, having studied this, are two general ways of looking at these verses. The first one is a conventional one, which uh, suggests that this is the directions towards becoming a believer. In other words, salvation, that you come in through uh, the narrow gate that leads to life um, and found by just a few. And we know that Jesus is the gate. It says in John 10, verse 7, Jesus is the gate. We know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. So it's only Jesus. So going through the narrow gate 
into the kingdom of God is only through Jesus. My sin, our sin can only be dealt with through Jesus, not through my good works, not by my efforts. And the thing about the narrow gate is you can't take any baggage in with you. You can't take anything that gives you security or anything that proves that you're good or you've done some great things. We, we've got to go. We can't go through into the gate uh, without dropping all that stuff. And it main, reminded me of the, the verse that Jesus said, it's uh, easier for it, it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle or a camel to go through eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So we, we haven't got anything to offer. The only claim to go through this gate is we trust Jesus. We need to be able to, and I, I think if you, I like the, the idea of uh, the gate being a, a, being a tall person, I quite often have to bend down, but I think I got the impression that the gate, the, the narrow gate is a small gate where People have to bow down. You can't go in with your chest out thinking you're the great I am. You've got to come humbly. So the, the only way in is into the kingdom of God is through the narrow gate and a narrow road. The wide gate, in contrast, is totally opposite. It leads to, uh, and the scripture said, destruction or ruin or death or hell. They are, it, it's disastrous. It's a wide gate. The point about the wide gate is easy and loads of people find it. It's the easiest way. It's the most attractive way because we can take our stuff. It's down to me. It's how good I've been. I am the one in charge. I am a, I call the shots. I can go with the crowd. We're all my mates would go. We can all go that way. And we rely on our own self-righteousness. I am the mum. I can do it. I, I, I. Many find that, it says. It's a sad thought, very scary thought. Now, so that's a traditional view. And let's hope that the people listening, all of us, have made that real decision that we are trusting totally in what Jesus has done, not anything that we've done. It's his righteousness. We just heard Lynn called Alexa just now and, and said, Lord, Alexa, not Lord, Alexa, pray, play the old rugged cross. And we played it, and it was emotive, very emotional. Oh, it's, she's just answered already. Sorry. <laughs> Switch her off, Alexa. <laughs> so proving the value of modern technology. But that's, I don't know if you've heard it. You probably all think it's old-fashioned. But you listen to the words. It is staggeringly moving. The old rugged cross, the only thing that I can rely on, I hold on to the old rugged cross and change it one day for a crown, just amazing, very emotive. I, I was really moved by that. I won't say it because anymore. Okay, okay, so that's that's one traditional, that's the view and many people have been happy about it. People like Spurgeon, I read, I looked into some of the sermons that Spurgeon had preached and he preached a, a sermon on just the narrow road, about 10 pages long, a massive great sermon. But there is an alternative view and I, I don't take the credit for this, but it just, it has challenged me enormously. Um, it's from Artie Kendall. Artie Kendall has a totally different view of in interpreting this. This uh, um, the alternative understanding of the broad road and the narrow road. Uh, he was saying, remember that the context of this, these two verses, is it's coming to the end of 
Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is, uh, we are, I've argued over the last few months, pivotal um, passage in determining how we should be living the Christian life. Um, he's coming to the end of this sermon. We was, he was talking to his disciples, um, and one would assume that they were already believers. They would not have known salvation like we do, but they were believers, and belief is, is the important thing. Um, and they, uh, Jesus was is illustrating, I, get, I understand from all that we've heard this last few weeks, that is how to put uh, into practice these things that he was saying. And, and Lynn mentioned last week the, the essential point of the Holy Spirit being necessary. But that's the context. So the people who he was speaking to already were, we, I would argue, or R.T. Kendall argues, are in the kingdom already. So what he was talking about is something else that follows on from that. So let's just turn to Luke. Um, it's mentioned, this, Luke mentions it in Luke 13. Um, Luke 13, verse 22. And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said, strive to enter the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. He will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from then you will, have, will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Depart from me. So that is a very um, sobering, sobering uh, verse. Um, I just wonder whether this, in part, obviously it fits with, with the idea of it being part of being salvation, but he, uh, it, the, the idea that we knew you, we talked with you, we ate and drank in your presence, and yet you've re refused us. What is, it, what is Jesus saying there? I think um, it does beg the question of what does it mean strive to enter? Um, we've said in the, the, the conventional view is come to Jesus, come in through the gate, and here it's saying he needs to strive. Now, Artie Kendall suggests that the word strive means uh, agonize and really struggle to get into the kingdom. And that goes against the, my idea of how we came into the kingdom. My testimony, which I've just given you, I can strive or struggle at all. Does that mean I'm not in the kingdom? I wonder whether that really you strive and struggle to get into the kingdom and all the goodness that God is going to provide for us, our rewards, our crowns, how we exchange the, the, uh, the old rugged cross for a crown. We don't have to strive and struggle. So perhaps the point being, we strive and struggle to get into our rewards. We want to be part of the kingdom. It's going to be an effort. And of course, the scriptures are say, and, and Paul and Barnabas were saying that um, there's, we're going to have to go through hardships to get into the kingdom of God. So that's to help you think, help us think and can be concerned about it. I'm going to ask Lynn now to give a little um, a vision that she had. 
to fits in the context, I hope fits in with the context of this. Uh, yes, uh, many, many years ago, um, <clears throat> I don't remember the context of where I was thinking, what I was thinking about at the time, but I remember the picture that God gave me really, really clearly. And uh, to the, the front of me was a very steep cliff uh, with uh, jagged rocks and looking up, you could see right very high up the top, there was grass and there were birds like eagles soaring. And that was um, in front of me. And then to the right of me, there was a wide grassy path, which was um, very smooth and very um, uh, green and pleasant. And it was like God was saying, um, which will you choose? Will you choose the easy route, which is not where I'm leading you, where you won't have so many trials and tribulations? Or will you opt to uh, climb and your hands will get cut and will bleed? And it was a choice. But I could see that to get to the top was the aim and to be soaring with the eagles up on the top. And I, I said, right, I, I really want to go where you want me to go, Lord. And I, in, in our lives, we have had uh, struggles, like everyone. In the world, you will have tribulation. And we have had some um, hard times. And recently we've had uh, suicide in the family, which is the most heartbreaking of things. And yet I would choose to go God's way. I would choose to do that again. I would choose his way above a, 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 a path that was not his first choice for me. Okay. Thank you, dear. That was very, uh, I consider that really appropriate for what we're talking about. It's, it's hard work to enter into all the good that God's got for us. Mm. We have to persist. And as Jesus said, take up your cross daily. This, this isn't talking about salvation. It's talking about uh, entering into the good of the kingdom and for, uh, a, in a sense, laying up treasures in heaven, which to obey the Lord's command, I mean, just to remind ourselves, and I'm reminding myself too as I do this, because it, it's not, I'm not preaching at anybody, I'm just sharing what um, I believe this is all about. Um, let's just remind ourselves what we've heard in the last few months. Be salt and light. Let your righteous, righteousness be greater than that of the Pharisees. Don't murder, which is equated to being angry and calling someone a fool. Don't commit adultery, which is equated with lust and men and women lusting at people of the opposite sex. Don't swear or you the oaths, make your yes be yes and your no be no. Turn the other cheek. Give to anybody who asks you, lend to anybody who asks you. Love your enemies. Pray and fast. Don't worry, don't judge, ask, seek and knock, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
as I was thinking about this, I also was reminded of the story that Jesus told about the wise and foolish builders. Um, uh, they built beautiful houses, presumably beautiful houses, on different foundations. One was on sand and one was on rock. And the traditional interpretation of that is you build your life on the rock of Jesus. When you read the context, it's you build your life on obeying what Jesus has said. You're already in the kingdom. So well, the wise and foolish builders, the one who built his, his house on the sand, in other words, his own going down the broad way, if you like, washed away. The person who built his house on the solid rock, which was obedience to the Lord's commands, the Sermon on the Mount, his life withstood the torrents of, 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 of rain and storm. So that mm. obedience is a thing that matters. To get onto that narrow road that leads to real blessing in the life of uh, hereafter is hard work. And do we want to do it? And as Lynn said, in her picture, her hands were bleeding. And, and I know part of the suffering that she's been through in this, but it, it is a tough road to take. And she's going to be uh, picking up a crown for that, <laughs> I guess. Um, the broad road, on the other hand, is a doddle, isn't it? It's easy to travel. It's easy to go with the crowd. I can do my own thing. I can do, I can sin when I, I do what I like. I go that way. It's, it's the way. It's me. And I'm going to stand at the end and say, I'm all right. I'm as good as anybody else. That's an easy route. We can rely on our own self-righteousness. We don't need to think about Jesus. So I'm, I'm challenged by that. And um, I, I just hope that I might have prompted some discussion and thinking about these thoughts. I, I would conclude, though, with something that's been around for quite a while in my mind, that there are three general types of people in this world. There are the people who are saved, who've had their sins forgiven, they've trusted in the blood of Jesus and have come into the kingdom of God. So they are the saved people. And there are people who are not saved. They don't want anything to do with it. They don't have any opportunity. Well, they not have the opportunity, but they haven't really accepted Christ as Savior and Lord. So there's two broad categories. And then the worrying thing that is possible is there's another category of people who think they are. They're trusting in the wrong things. They're trusting in their own self-righteousness. That would be the most worrying group. And we need to just be sure that we know for sure that we are in the saved group. And if you're not, it's dead easy to, it's not dead easy, it's straightforward. The way is clear. Come to Jesus, accept and, and admit that you have sinned and you are a sinner. You're going in, not in God's way, down God's way, you're going your own route. And you recognize that Jesus died on the cross to deal with that and receive him as Lord and Savior, give your life over to him, so that then you would be in the number one category, which is the saved group. So I would hope that and pray that uh, I might have stimulated some the little gray cells that Poirot would say to discuss for a few minutes with Julian.